today's episode of the Higher Ed Shift, we discuss college rankings. College rankings with their relatively short history have turned into a point of contention for higher education experts and even university administrators. It seems like a bit of a love-hate relationship has developed. Today, we're going to dive a little deeper into why some are questioning their value and share personal perspectives from an economist, a parent, and a business professional. As with anything that is possibly broken, we should always have a proposed solution. With this in mind, we discuss the idea of shifting from the current college rankings to college ratings instead. Hello, and welcome to today's episode of the Higher Ed Shift. I'm Amy Glenn, and have back with me Carlos Salerno, who's an economist and VP of Research at Campus Logic, and Chris Chumley, a higher education technology and operations professional and COO, president at Campus Logic. Thanks for coming back, guys. Great to be here. We're always good to be here. So, today we wanted to open up a discussion about college rankings. As high school students return to school and college enrollment and marketing professionals dive into a new cycle of recruiting, national publications begin to release their college rankings. The first college rankings appeared in the early 1900s, but were really limited to graduate programs and other um, professional programs and were really only published in academic journals. So fast forward to the 1980s, around 83, when U.S. News Best College Rankings, one of the most known sources for college rankings, published its first report. We now have dozens of organizations that produce rankings and guides for students, but we're left with a lot of questions. What value do these rankings offer students? How do they help or hurt transparency in higher education? Are rankings driving behaviors that hurt the very students they're meant to help? I think it's probably fair to see that all three of us are a little bit skeptical of where college rankings have have landed today. Carlo, why don't you uh, why don't you get us started by sharing one of the reasons that the the value of of rankings has kind of risen arisen, right? Like, why are we questioning it today? Uh, so do I get to start by just saying that they're flat out garbage, or am I taking too extreme a position when I say that? Uh, look, I. Uh, I think rankings have morphed into an uncontrollable monster, right? I think, you know, as you start down the path, the rankings originally uh, were designed to sell magazine subscriptions. It was a way for U.S. News and World Report to get eyes on their newspaper. It was something people could annually look forward to. Uh, And it morphed and it grew because eventually universities started to care about these things. And when they started to care about those things, they started to act on those rankings. And all of that just sort of snowballed and has continued to snowball over the past 30 some years to the point now where rankings have become essentially non-essential, right? People, uh, people rely on the rankings, but at the same time, uh, the, the conversation almost invariably turns to how unreliable they are or how useless they are. And so we're stuck in this quagmire today where uh, every year at the beginning of September, a bunch of publications drop a whole bunch of 
best university rankings, whether it be best party school or, or best place to live or most academically rigorous or pick whatever, pick whatever ranking you want. Uh, and all of the pundits and the press all jumps on the, we hate rankings bandwagon for two to three weeks. And then we all disappear back into a hole until next September. And we re-lament it all again. And so, um, I think at this point, uh, I think it's gotten to the point where increasingly people say rankings are useless. Uh, rankings don't provide value. I think there's some strong arguments what people? for that. What people? Like just higher education, you know, lifers like you and I, or do students question it? You know, you just went through, so you just went through the college shopping experience and Chris is going through it now with a high school senior. Uh, so when, when you guys talk with your children about colleges or you hear them having conversations with their friends, do they think that rankings are garbage or is it just people embroiled in the industry like us? No, I mean, I'll let Chris jump in because I'm talking way too much, but I think nobody looks at rankings seriously and says, oh, I need to apply to schools ranked number two through five or, or my school is 13th. And that's going to be the turning point on whether I'm going to choose to uh, send my child there or maybe me as a high school applicant is going to say, oh, this school is 14th and this school is 19th and I'm going to apply to the 14th. I mean, these are these are arbitrary numbers that are just nonsensical. And for 90 percent of the college going population, uh, again, it's silly, right? There's there's probably a really tiny fraction of very ambitious, uh, highly sought after students who may care about whether they go to, for example, Harvard or Stanford or Yale, uh, and they may pour over those rankings with their parents. But for the most part, like this is a, this is a tempest in a teapot, but Chris, you can disagree with me. Well, so I, and, and this has been one of the fun conversations as we've been talking this week leading up to the podcast, because I think we all wish that there was a better system to educate the consumer. We all wish that there was the equivalent, I think Amy said it as we were preparing, a consumer reports for the college that you're going to go to. The brand of the school is important to a lot of people, but is it really tied to the ranking or is it tied to something else? Each ranking is interesting to me because I think the definition of what a good college or university is, is different for different people. Am I going to school simply to have the name of the school on my resume? Because I think that it has benefit for where I'm going to get employed. Or am I interested in the school be because they have a specific program that I want to study? Or am I interested in the school because it meets some other need for me around the population of students that are going to be there? And, you know, how do I really know what the quality of instruction is that I'm going to get? Because at the end of the day, isn't that really the product that these students are looking for? Is they're really looking for, where am I going to learn the most that I can, that I can then use for the rest of my life? Or at least that's what I think. But, I, but there may be some who, who say, no, I only care about the brand name of the school. And that's the most important to me. And I want to go to the highest rated brand that I can afford. And I'm doing that matrix. And when I get to that number, then those are the schools I'm going to focus on. I think the, I think the consumer is left not really knowing how to find the school that matches their need. 
which again leads me to my belief that their rankings are largely useless, right? But, like, but are rankings useless or is it the rankings that we have today useless? The ranking, yeah. <laughs> is, so, is the process of having a ranking useless or is it just we haven't come up with the right methodology? Well, I don't think there is one methodology. I think that's my, I think that's what I'm driving at is what, what you think and what you value as the best and what Amy values as the best and what I value as the best are all different. And the only, you know, only to the extent that a ranking out there aligns with your preferences or Amy's preferences or mine, do we find it valid? Because if the ranking doesn't align with my preferences of what's the best or not, I think the ranking's garbage. And the same would, you know, would apply to you and the same would apply to Amy. And so um, I think this whole idea of just ranking feels weird. Never mind the fact that we just know, right? Like there's a whole Every single time somebody comes out with a ranking that doesn't put Harvard and MIT and Stanford and Yale and Michigan and Berkeley in the top 10, it feels suspect. It feels weird. We start asking ourselves, like, how can how can we have a higher education system where Harvard is 15th in the rankings? That doesn't make sense to people. And so as people try to change these rankings and adjust these rankings and make these rankings quote better in an effort to try and make them better, they introduce this sort of skepticism that makes people actually think rankings are even worse. It becomes a self-fulfilling prophecy. So, so let me ask you, Amy, do we need rankings? I think there's a lot of things we don't necessarily need in the world, but people want. And I think that rankings in general, are obviously valued by someone because they're done. We have a publicate, we have multiple publications that produce them, and they don't do that out of the goodness of their heart. They do it because it generates revenue or it generates attention for the publications. We have thousands of colleges or universities that participate in these rankings and providing data to these organizations and responding to surveys. And again, it's not because they have all kinds of free time. They see a return on taking part in these rankings. So though we as insiders may not value or may question how an institution gets ranked, I think that rankings and broader guidebooks which they're normally tied to, bring visibility to different brands, educations, and opportunities for many students. And, and they're not limited to just the, the ranking. We get, we get synopsises of the colleges. So I think that there is value to some groups, some people, and I, I do agree that there's probably not enough transparency in what goes into creating a ranking. I'm not opposed to shifting from ranking people to rating people. I think that might be might be a better opportunity. Well, let's talk. Let's talk about that. Let's talk about a rating system versus a ranking. Because are we splitting hairs? What's the difference? To me, ranking is, is a stack. You're clearly saying that one is better than another, whereas a, a ratings system, you can 
you can have 500 institutions that are all gold stars right if 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 we if we we look at if we look at that you know again if you take the consumer report idea of and and my husband just loves consumer report when he's purchasing a car or something of that nature and i don't understand the colored circles but you know it, not just one car can have the best rating right and and it's the same as yelp and and everything else right we can have a lot of five star restaurants we can have a lot of Michelin star restaurants. Um, it doesn't mean one is better than another. It means if you like French food, you should go to this Michelin star restaurant. And if you like Italian food, you should go to this. And so when, when you talk about that fit, right, for me, it's the trifecta, academic, personal, and financial fit. And so- And I think, I think the well, I was just, just going to add on to what you're saying, because I think the question is, who are we doing rankings for? Like you said earlier, I mean, are we are we designing something so that consumers can make a better choice about which college to go to? Uh, is is the purpose? Because rankings don't feel like that today. It doesn't feel like we design rankings so that people can make better choices. We have a college scorecard. The U.S. Department of Education has a college scorecard that's supposed to help people shop for college. And I, I guess what I'm saying is, I agree that ratings are a far better measure than rankings. I think rankings rankings distort. Rankings imply there's a first place and a last place. And I mean, is, is there a last place college, right? On, for example, US News and World Reports list? Is Does somebody on that list, are they last on the ranking? I mean, that sounds crazy and sounds a little bit silly to think that there's a bottom of the US News and World Report barrel. And I'm picking on US News and World Report because they're the largest. But, you know, again, I mean, if you're going to create rankings and ratings, if you don't have a purpose behind doing it, what are you, what are you doing besides selling magazine subscriptions? Because I'm sure that Washington Monthly, most people don't even know what Washington Monthly as a magazine is, but for the fact that over the years, it too has started to build up a credible reputation as the alternate provider of, quote, legitimate rankings to U.S. News and World Report, which because of its size and because of its uh, exposure and clout, uh, you know, gets bullied the most. But I think you know, one thing we haven't talked about to this point is that rankings have become so powerful, even if we think they're silly, you know, every every year somebody tries to create this boycott mechanism. Like schools should not provide data to U.S. News and World Report. Uh, we're going to show them, right? We're going to give enough schools that are going to do this and, and it's going to botch their rankings. And it seems like every time somebody tries to do this, the pressure is so great that in the following year, they go back to it. Right. Like I can't think of schools that have sustainably said we're not going to be ranked because there's this fear, whether whether valid or not, that not showing up in the top has some adverse effect on enrollment. And I don't even know that there's any evidence to support that. Like, I don't know, but we hear about it. We I mean, like you mentioned at the top of the the top of this podcast, we know schools try to um manipulate or reverse engineer these rankings, right? Like they care about them so much so that there are examples of schools that are quote, abusing them, right? Maybe that's, I, I don't know, but I just. Well, they're definitely trying to manipulate them. Yeah. Right. So, so I, I work with a lot of software engineers and one of the hardest things to measure is the performance of, a, of, a, of an engineering team, software engineering team. And part of the reason is because 
they're really good at finding ways to game the system. And so whenever you have a system of ranking or a system of measurement, people are going to try to figure out how to get the numbers in their favor. Yeah. Right. And so then, then that behavior is, it's focused more around trying to manipulate the number than trying to be a better institution. So I think that's, that's, that's one of the bad outcomes of having a ranking system is that people try to, people spend a lot of time and energy trying to change their ranking because they think it, they think it's, it's somehow going to change the prestige of the institution. It's, it's going to change what students they get. Well, and where we've actually seen it is, I believe, and Carlo, you probably know this better than I do, but I be- believe the the most recent examples that we've seen are actually at the program level where, where the manipulation or falsification of, of data occurred, not even at, at the college or university level. And so you, you have to wonder what pressure is being placed on heads of departments, uh, what, what's tied to, to tenure access, things of that nature that, that are causing those behaviors. Yeah. And, and, and I will say, so I think you're right. At the department level, these things matter. And I think they matter because while rankings, while school rankings don't matter to undergraduates, school rankings matter a great deal when you get into graduate school. When, when somebody wants to get a degree in uh, economics or a degree in biology or a degree in engineering, there is probably a best program, right? Or a top five program where the graduates from that program are most likely to land the most prestigious faculty jobs or most likely to land, you know, the best employment opportunities. Um, when people shop for graduate school, they do care about finding the best program, not just a good program, but the best program. But that's a different market, right? That's a different, that's a different uh, issue. And while US News and World Report, you know, subsets those two out, you know, again, like millions more people are undergraduates. They're 18 to 22 year olds. And for them, who has the best undergraduate marketing program is probably a silly thing to search for, to be honest. I think there's two things there. First of all, your point aligns to the birth of college rankings, which were limited to graduate programs for the first 80 years of their development. Mm-hmm. And were also limited to academic journals. They they weren't they weren't public facing. I mean, they could have been accessed, but they weren't public facing, and they weren't measuring undergraduate degrees initially. Mm-hmm. And so maybe that's just one of the the holdovers in in how the system was initially used. And you're right. At a graduate level, I'll say I go to an eye specialist. You know what? I really care where my specialist got his degree and did his work because there are certain colleges and and universities that focus in specific research that is important to me when I go and see that professional. And so I would hope that that professionals seeking those advanced degrees are are doing similar research when they're identifying their their university. Yeah. Yeah. I I I agree with you. Again, I think I think there is a place for rankings. I think it happens at the graduate level. It happens at the department level. Uh, but those are not widespread national rankings by any stretch of the imagination. I think the bigger issue with rankings, again, goes back to this, what should be included? 
if we were in charge, if the three of us are in charge, what would we what would we put in there? What would we use as the criteria? Right. And I like we've, we've just spent a lot of time talking about how these are so bad. But so what would we do? What would be better? I feel like I spent time defending them because we can't all have the same opinion on this show. <laughs> and the two of you spent time saying how bad they were. Fair well, enough. Fair enough. But I already feel like even amongst the three of us, we can't come up with a list of things that should be included in there. I know for a fact that I, I care about inputs a lot. For example, I think the quality of your faculty matters. I think class size, you know, average class size matters. I think those are a good, you know, smaller class sizes are a richer learning experience. Um, I know most people hate institutional wealth, but as an economist, institutional wealth is a great proxy for all the resources that are put at a student's disposal that can help facilitate the learning process, whether it be, you know, a good library or good internet, or even just like a really nice leafy campus where people have places to study and, and collect together. So I love inputs. I think inputs are a much better indicator of institutional quality than, for example, the percent of students that are Pell eligible, for example. Like that doesn't, for me, that doesn't make any sense. But you know, again, I'm happy to disagree. So I don't know what you folks think, but uh, I, I am, my vote is for inputs. My vote is for school inputs. What would you vote, Amy? Well, I was just going to ask you the same question. You're going through it. Right. So you're going through this with Nathan right now. Yeah. What are the top five contributing factors that you would want to see in measured for, for rankings for you to, to choose a good college form? Yeah. So if Carlos inputs, I would say I'm outcomes. I want, I want to see graduation rate. I want to see average income for first year graduates. I want to see some, some kind of measure of faculty quality. For my son, I'm looking for a teaching institution. Mm -hmm. And a lot of rankings that I've looked at take into account the amount of research that's done or non-teaching non attributes. So we're sending him there to learn. And so <clears throat> learning outcomes is, is where I would focus. And then I'm looking at, at cost. I'm looking at burden. So where can I get the best learning outcomes with the least amount of student loan debt? And that's the ratio. That's our family's golden ratio. But again, I also think too that you know, for a lot of a lot of the students, my son Nathan, that doesn't play into his thinking at all. He does not care <laughs> about that. He wants to know what the lifestyle is going to be and right. are there going to be the types of activities that he's interested in and will he get a breadth of experiences because he sees this as a, as a life experience. And so he's looking for breadth of experience, um, opportunity to experience different things. He's more interested in the ranking of the football team than the <laughs> ranking of the institution. Right. <laughs> right. Yeah. By the way, uh, sports ranking, the ranking of football teams, basketball teams makes it very hard to figure out how many times college rankings has actually been Googled over the last 12 months, because I'm pretty sure the spikes I saw were associated with playoffs and athletic events and, and not, not the college going journey. Right. Yeah, that's right. right. That's right. So this is where this is where mom and dad and and the student probably look at rankings completely differently. Mm -hmm. And so if we were to rewrite the system, uh, a consumer reports for higher ed 
I think you would have to keep in mind both audiences and they're going to look for different things. Yeah. Well, so, it, so this, this begs like a really interesting question. I don't know the answer to it. Maybe the answer is it depends, but you know, imagine a scenario where you have a really, really great school, um, provides a fantastic education, amazing education, but it's prohibitively expensive. It's super expensive to go to this institution to get this great thing. And now imagine that you can uh, there's another school that provides a very mediocre education, right? But is supremely cheap. It's 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 unbelievably affordable. So lots of people can either have access to this mediocre thing, or a very select few can have access to this really great education. Um, which of these schools ranks higher? Does does affordability trump quality? If if I make a really high quality product, but it's unaffordable, is it still a good product? Well, Should it is, still be ranked as the best? Right, but that's the difference between a rating and a ranking. Exactly. Yep. Right. Yeah. Because I would want to know those ratings for the school so I can make a decision about the school. Yeah. Because otherwise, you are getting into this arbitrary. This school is better than that school because it 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 is dependent on what what the student is looking for and what they're what they can yeah. get, but. I think it's a fascinating idea because we tend to want to rank everything. Well, yeah, because everything's a competition. I want everything's to be better a competition. than you. Right. Everything needs to be ranked. You know, by the way, we all work for Campus Logic. We just celebrated, small plug here, we just celebrated making the Inc. 5000 list for the fifth year in a row. And, and we applauded. We were excited. And so you're not thing, really anti-rank. I was going to actually what, ask what you, you see, about this. This is where we uncover our, our, our <laughs> hypocrisy here. Yes. Is everybody likes rankings. Right. We just started off by saying we hate rankings, but deep down inside, everybody wants to say, I went to a better school. Right. Mm -hmm. And that's the, the challenge here is that we all love to go look up where our school is yeah. and I frankly go to a school that I'm usually frustrated of where it is in the ranking. <laughs> well, I mean, I went to public schools for my <laughs> undergraduate and graduate education, and uh, I still keep track of how well my football team does <laughs> Yeah, because it's a proxy, right? I mean, well, I mean, full disclosure, right? I, I went to Penn State for my PhD program, and so when Penn State uh, as a football team does well, Penn State gets a lot of exposure and it gets a lot of public attention. Well, and, and we all, I think the term is basking in reflected glory, right? That's right. The, that's the psychological principle. Right. Is that, is, a lot of people want to go to Alabama because, uh, because of Nick Saban and because Alabama's football team is amazing. And people yeah. think there's a halo effect around Bama football that transcends Alabama as a university. A lot of schools spend known. a lot of time on athletics because yeah. of how it contributes to the overall school brand. That's right. All right. What I think we're all saying is that college rankings deserve a little more discussion, a little more scrutiny by students and even the colleges who are listed on them. And we should be asking ourselves, who's really benefiting from these rankings? Are they causing more harm than good to our system? Even more importantly, how can we reimagine the system and move from a stack ranking to a rating system that focuses on and highlights on what really matters to students? And it's when they can find the best personal fit, the best academic fit, and the financial fit to find the best fit college that meets the students' needs to achieve academic success and completion. 
all of our current rankings are ignoring the financial fit and giving that finances are the number one reason students do not enroll or college in college or they leave before completing their degree, this feels like a pretty big miss to me. Do you have ideas on how we can fix the college rankings? Or maybe there's something else you want to talk about with us on a future episode of the Higher Ed Shift. Our contact information is available in the show notes. As always, if you enjoyed this show, please follow the channel, subscribe for updates, and share with others. We appreciate you joining us today and hope to see you again soon.